Jeff. That was great. Thank you, Brother Malcolm, for preaching the Word. Man, opening the Scripture and giving it line on line and precept on precept. Brother Charles, thanks for your friendship and for the privilege of being in this church. We so look forward to this. I'm going to ask you to take your Bibles tonight and turn with me in the Old Testament to the book of Genesis, chapter 6. The book of Genesis, chapter 6, and I'm going to begin to read in verse 8. Genesis chapter 6 and verse 8. And tonight I'm preaching on this subject, the persistence of faith. The persistence of faith. From the book of Genesis chapter 6, and I'll begin to read in verse 8. The Bible says, But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generation. Noah walked with God. And Noah begot three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. So God looked upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark, and cover it inside and outside with pitch. And this is how you shall make it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, its width 50 cubits, its height 30 cubits. You shall make a window for the ark, and you shall finish it to a cubit from above, and you shall set the door of the ark in its side. You shall make it with a lower, a second, and third deck. And behold, I myself am bringing floodwaters on the earth to destroy from under heaven all flesh, in which is the breath of life. Everything that is on the earth shall die, but I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall go into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. And of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female. The birds after their kind, of animals after their kind, of every creeping thing of the earth of its kind, two of every kind will come to you, and you shall keep them alive, and you shall take for yourself of all the food that is eaten, and you shall gather it to yourself, and it shall be food for you and for them. Now listen to this verse. Thus Noah did according to all that God commanded him, so he did. Let us pray. Dear God, put your words in my mouth, put your thoughts in my mind, and I pray without distraction I'll preach as a dying man to a dying world. I pray you'll give our hearts ears to hear what the Holy Spirit has to say. Lord, rebuke the devourer. Oh, Lord, set the spiritual captive free tonight. In Jesus' name I pray, Lord. Amen. The Bible says that Noah was a man of great faith. He is listed in God's hall of faith. In the book of Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 7, the Bible says it was by faith that Noah built the ark. But the Bible also teaches us that he was a preacher of righteousness. That's what it says in 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 5. He was a preacher of the word. That ark was a great object lesson, and not only did he construct it with his bare hands, the Bible says he stood there and he preached unflinchingly the word of the living God. You know, the Bible teaches us 
that we are to finish the race that is before us. Jesus said, it is finished. He didn't say, I am finished. He said, it is finished. The task that he came to accomplish, he completed in full. The apostle Paul said, I have finished my course. I have finished the race. I believe in the day in which we live that Satan seeks to discourage the people of God as you seek to finish the task that God has put before you. In these scriptures I've read to you tonight, I believe there's a threefold challenge that will keep you in the race and will help you finish the race. Challenge number one, don't ever get over getting saved. I said don't ever get over getting saved. You see, Noah was a man who experienced true salvation. Notice the Bible says in verse 8 that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Salvation is by grace. The Bible teaches us that grace is God giving to us that which we do not deserve. Salvation is not something you can earn through human effort. It's not something you can win through human sweat. It's not something you can receive by being religious. The Bible teaches us that we are sinners and that we're doomed and we're separated from God and what we deserve is hell forever. But God is not only a God of justice, but God is a God of grace. And the Bible says in a wicked world that Noah found that grace was available and he availed himself of it. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. You know, the Bible says we are saved by grace through faith. And that's exactly the experience of this man named Noah. The Bible says he found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And notice in verse 9, it says he was a just man. And that word just there means to be declared righteous. And in the very last part of Hebrews 11, verse 7, it says that Noah became heir of the righteousness that is according to faith. So in the New Testament book of Romans, we read that when we come to Jesus Christ saying, we are sinners, we are hopelessly lost, but we turn to you in faith and receive you as our Savior. We believe you died in our place. You shed your blood to pay our sin debt. You raised from the dead to give us life, and we trust you and only you to save our souls. The Bible says in that moment you're born again, and God forgives you and declares you righteous. The Bible says you're justified, and in that moment the blood of Jesus washes all your sins away. And when God looks and a sinner through the blood of his son, he doesn't see a sinner. Hallelujah, he sees a saint. This man Noah experienced true salvation. Wasn't walking down the aisle, wasn't signing the card, wasn't being sprinkled or catechized or joining a church. The Bible teaches us he had a personal faith encounter with the living God. But the Bible also says this man Noah expressed true salvation. He expressed it. You know, where there's real faith, there's going to be some fruit. And where there's grace, there's going to be some godliness. The Bible teaches us that Jesus Christ makes us a new creation. And the Christ who's in us is going to be seen on the outside of us. Notice what the Word says about Noah. 
The Bible says he was perfect in his generations. And that word perfect there in the Hebrew means integrity. What you saw in public, that's what he was in private. What he was when everybody was watching him was what he was when no one was watching him. That is the evidence of a changed life. Now, I just want to tell you something. This cheap grace where people come down aisles, sign cards, and join churches, and there is no change in their life, they're dishonest, they're deceptive, they walk according to the course of this world. I want to tell you what's wrong with those folks. They have never trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord, and they don't need to rededicate their life. They need a Holy Ghost resurrection. They need to receive Christ as their Savior and Lord. But notice what else the Bible says. The Bible says not only was he perfect, that speaks of his character. The Bible says in verse 9, he walked with God. That speaks of his conduct. Only two men in the Bible does the Scripture say walk with God, and Noah was one of those men. Well, walking with God, that means he's alive because dead folks can't walk. You know, some folks say, well, I'll get saved when I can live it. Well, man, you can't live it until you get life, my friend. You, you, you're all messed up. When you get life, the life of Jesus Christ, you'll be able to live it because Christianity is not me trying to live for him. Christianity is him living in me and living through me. It's me getting me out of, this, out of the way by reckoning myself dead to sin, nailing by faith my flesh to the cross, and letting the living Jesus who's in me live through me. That's the victorious Christian life. The Bible says he walked with God. That speaks of life. He walks with God. That speaks of consistency. Walking with God, that speaks of forward momentum. Walking with God, that speaks of balance. It doesn't say he lagged behind like a backslider or he ran ahead like a fanatic. The Bible says he walked with God, which means he was in step with God following his precepts and his teaching. And uh, walking with God, that means he was in agreement. Because Amos said, no two folks can walk together unless they're agreed. And so what happened is he adjusted his, his agenda to God's agenda, and God's will became his will in step with God. But for a lost and dying world, he radiated the true salvation that was in him. Now let me ask you this tonight. How can you ever get over that? How can you ever get over experiencing grace? How can you ever get over, my friend, being changed by the power of God? It's true. Every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. I've heard this group sitting right down here sing a truth. The longer I serve him, the sweeter he grows. I believe what the hymn writer said is the absolute word of God Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Now, I know, Brother Charles, you and these other preachers and singers that are here tonight, I know you probably never get discouraged. I know that probably every Monday morning, you are just excited and literally leaping across your desk with anticipation of ministering to the saints of God. But you know, every once in a while, I get discouraged. Somebody says something ugly, or I hear somebody's success story that makes me feel crummy, you know, and I get a little down, and this is what I do. All these years, this is how I've stayed fresh. This is how I stay. This is how I stay in the work. 
This is how I stay upbeat. This is how I retain enthusiasm. This is how I keep unction in my gumption so I can continue to function, function, function. This is how I avoid being lukewarm. I avoid being a deadhead. I avoid dragging my lip in the dust with a face so long you could suck marbles out of a gopher hole. Let me tell you how I do it. I just never got over getting saved. Folks, I was born and raised in the Texas panhandle. It's a miracle of God. The Spirit of God ever found me to save my soul from a devil's hell. And then when I think about the fact that I was going to hell, but God reached His hand of grace down and snatched me up like a brand from the burning and set my feet on a rock. When I think about the fact that when Jesus moved in, the devil moved out, that I'm sealed with the Spirit until the day of redemption. And there's nothing that I will ever do that will ever separate me from the unconditional love of the living God. When I think about the fact that I was lost but I'm found I was blind but I see and I'm going up I'm not going down I'm going to be raptured I'm not going to be raptured all I can do is say hallelujah problem problem with some of you here tonight you got over getting saved never get over getting saved but here's a second challenge here's a second challenge don't miss this Never water down the gospel. Never water down the gospel. Now, I want to tell you, the ark is a picture of the gospel. Do you understand that the Old Testament is a picture book which pictures all the great truths in the New Testament? In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, the Apostle Paul begins to take some examples from the Old Testament. He says all these things in the life of Israel happen as an example to the New Testament saint. The ark was not just a boat. The ark was a picture of Jesus Christ and His gospel. The Bible says this man was a preacher of righteousness and the only true righteousness that brings salvation is the righteousness that is found in Jesus Christ. For instance, notice here as we think about the gospel that the Bible speaks here of the revelation of the gospel. Now, Paul warned, he says, now there are other gospels. But he says another gospel is not the gospel. There's only one gospel. There's a lot of people preaching gospels. But the only gospel that's the true gospel is the gospel that comes out of the mouth of God and is recorded in the pages of His Holy Scriptures. Notice the Bible says in verse 13, And God said to Noah, The gospel comes out of the mouth not of Brigham Young, Joseph Smith, Harry Krishna, or Harry anybody else. The only gospel that's the true gospel comes out of the mouth of God. But notice not only do we see the revelation of the gospel, we see the need of the gospel. Do you understand all these lost people in this city are going to hell? Do, do you understand that the reason you need to get saved tonight is you were born in sin, you are separated from God? And the Bible teaches the wages of sin is death and you're headed for a Christless eternity. Do you not understand that tonight? Notice the Bible says in verse 13 that God said because of sin and wickedness I will 
destroy the earth and the people on it. That's what God said. So the Bible teaches us there is a heaven to gain, but the Bible says there is a hell to shun. Now you say that offends me, and I don't believe that God would send anyone to hell. Well, I don't believe that God will send anybody to hell either. I believe that anybody that goes to hell sends themselves to hell by rejecting Jesus Christ because on the cross Jesus took the judgment of God for your sin on his own person as your substitute and when you put your faith in him the wrath of God for your sins fell on Jesus and you're free in Jesus Christ. But notice it, it gets more detailed here. The Bible speaks of the power of the gospel. It says in verse 14 make yourself an ark of gopher wood, an ark. There are three arks in the Bible. There is the ark of bulrushes. Remember in the book of Exodus how Pharaoh was killing all those baby boys. And Moses' mom, she couldn't bear the thought of that little boy dying. And when she couldn't keep him quiet anymore, they made him a little ark. They pitched it within and without. And they put him in that ark and shoved him out there on the Nile River. There's crocodiles out there. And, and that's the very river they're throwing those babies to kill them. But the Bible teaches, my friend, that that ark preserved and protected and saved that baby Moses. And suddenly, Pharaoh's daughter is down there at the riverbank, and she hears the cry of that baby, and she sees that ark. And I want you to know, when she picked that baby up, Pharaoh was sunk right there, friend. It was over right when she picked that baby Moses out of that ark. And I want to tell you, my friend, I believe with all of my heart that God's precious ark, you say, I had a miscarriage, Pastor. But what about that precious baby? You say, I had a little infant died in my womb. I had to give birth to that lifeless baby. What about that baby? You say, Brother Herb, we had a precious child live for a year, two years, and experience what they call crib death. And our hearts are broken. You say, what about little babies? I believe we're all born in sin, but I believe there's an age of accountability when a person realizes they are sinners in need of a Savior. And I believe those little innocent babies are kept supernaturally in an ark of grace, and if that little baby dies before that age, I believe that little ark carries them across, my friend, the judgment's Jordan into the very presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's not, Moses, it's not the daughter of Pharaoh that's going to be picking up your baby. I want you to know it was the nail-scarred hands of Jesus that picked your baby up. But there's a second ark in the Bible. And that's the Ark of the Covenant. I mean, even if you're not reading your Bible, you watch Raiders of the Lost Ark. That's what Harrison Ford was looking for. It was a box. There was a, in that box, the law of God was there. And you understand the law was never given to save us. The law was given to show us we need to be saved. It's God's standard of righteousness. The law, Galatians says, is a schoolmaster which leads and drives us to our only hope, which is the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ in salvation by grace through faith. And so that law is in that, that box, and it condemns us. But on top of that box was a lid called a mercy seat. 
And they would sprinkle the blood of a lamb on that mercy seat. And the people, their sins were covered for another year because of the shedding of blood on that mercy seat and they were saved from the condemnation of that law in that box. And then there is the ark of Noah. And of course, Noah and his family were saved from the wrath of God. That flood was the wrath of God against sin. So friend, I just want to tell you how powerful salvation is. The Bible says the Lord saves to the uttermost. Just like that baby Moses, Pharaoh's a type of the devil. When you got saved, you got saved from the wrath, the power, and the authority and dominion of the devil. Listen, my friend, like that Ark of the Covenant, when you got saved because of the shed blood of Jesus, you got saved from the condemnation of the law. And I want you to know, my friend, like Noah, when you got saved because of the precious blood of Jesus, you got saved from the wrath of the living God. Man, we are saved. But, but notice, folks, it gets better. The Bible speaks of the exclusiveness of the gospel. Notice the Bible says in verse 16, it doesn't say set the doors in the side of the ark. When I was a little boy, I'd spend some of the summer weeks with my grandparents and my mother's mother. She loved what she called her stories. You know, she watched uh, As the World Turns and all them soap operas and loved game shows. And uh, I, I, there's one game show she always watched that I love even as a kid. Even as a kid, I loved that. And it was, it, was, it was that game show, Let's Make a Deal. You know, door number one, door number two. Now, you got it. If you go Google it, young folks, and get on YouTube, you can find Let's Make a Deal. They'd have three doors up there, and there's a billy goat behind one, and there's a beat-up jalopy behind two. But behind number three, there's a Bahamas cruise. And you had one shot to pick the right door. And I think some folks think that's the way that ark was by the way they're teaching about salvation. You know, I mean, there's a bunch of doors in that ark. You know, you got a Methodist door down here and you got a, a Baptist door down there and you got a Catholic door down here that's got candles on either side of it, see? And then you, for the folks that believe you can lose your salvation, notice that revolving door. I'm in the ark. Well, today I'm out of the ark. No, the Bible says, set the door in the side of the ark. And Jesus in John chapter 10 said, I am the door. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's no other way to heaven but through Jesus Christ, the Son of God. You know, the Bible says there were even three decks. Did you see that? A lower, a second, and third deck. And the Bible says we we're saved in three tenses. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you were immediately justified. The Bible teaches us and saved from the penalty of sin. And right now the Spirit of God's working in you, taking the Word, shaping you into the likeness of Jesus. You're being sanctified. That's the second tense of salvation. But there's a future tense. One of these days we're going to be glorified and we're going to be saved from the very presence of sin. So when you got saved, you can literally say, I've been saved, I'm being saved, and I'm going to be saved. Let me tell you, if you've been saved, you're going to be saved. And if you've been saved, you're being saved. So there's three tenses, and that's why when we sing that old hymn, we sing, I'm saved, saved, saved. And I, I don't want to overlook, the Bible says it was pitched on the inside and outside with pitch. 
And my, my friend, some 70 times in the Hebrew Old Testament, that word pitch is translated atonement. That tar, that pitch kept the judgment out. And I want you to know when you got saved, you were pitched within and without with the precious blood of Jesus. You're not what you used to be, and you're not what you're going to be. So the first challenge, never get over getting saved. Second challenge, never water down the gospel. Just preach it, unleash it. I mean, just preachers stand up there flat-footed with an open Bible and just preach the saving gospel. Let me tell you something, my friend. You can't manipulate anybody to get saved. You can't entice anybody to get saved. That's a work of God. It's our job to loose the gospel and let the gospel do its work. But here's the third challenge. Are you ready for this? Here's the third challenge. Don't miss this. Never stop serving Jesus. Never stop serving Jesus. I love that last verse in that chapter where the Bible says he didn't live by feeling, he lived by faith. Because the Bible says, thus Noah did. Everything God told him to do. He didn't start the ark and quit. He didn't get it half finished and quit. He finished the ark. He saw the task through. And I'm speaking to someone tonight the old devil's been whispering in your ear. He's been saying, stop singing. Stop teaching. Stop preaching. Stop praying. Stop witnessing. Give up. Back up. It's over. You're on the losing side. Folks aren't listening to you. And tonight I'm speaking to someone who's down. Someone who's actually given a thought. Wonder if I'm going to be able to keep on keeping on for the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, when you look at Noah and this ark, man, there's a word of comfort there, isn't there? I'm not going to talk a lot about that, but you know there was no mast, no oars, no rudder on that ark. This, the door was shut. That thing was bobbing around like a cork. But everything was okay, you know why? Because the master of the sea was the captain of the boat. Let me tell you something, my friend. Your boat's not going to sink because Jesus is on board with you. A word of comfort. And I want to tell you, there's a word of warning. There came a day when the door was shut. When there was no chance to get on the ark. I've got a good friend who's an evangelist. In fact, he's a member of our church. He called me. I think it was not this last spring, but the spring before that. One Thursday morning, he called me and said, Pastor, I want to tell you what happened at the crusade where I was preaching last night. I was in an area-wide crusade on a football field. When I gave the invitation, a 47-year-old woman up there, she was raised in a preacher's home, a preacher's daughter. This married 47-year-old woman got under conviction and realized even though she had religion, she had never been saved. She came out of the stands, walked across the running track, came out on the field, out there to the platform where the counselors were, bowed her head, opened her heart, and received Christ as her Savior. He said when she turned to go back up into the stands, her husband saw she was faltering and stumbling. He rushed from the stands, and another man 
got on the other side of the woman, but before they could even lay her down on the running track down on that field, she died. And he said to me, Pastor, she was saved for five minutes. And who knows that somebody sitting right here among us tonight is five minutes away from forever. So I want to tell you, friend, you better be getting saved tonight when we give this invitation because this may be God's last invitation to you. But now listen to me. There's a word to challenge here. It's in that last verse. Noah did according to all that God commanded him. He did it to the very end. I want you to think about this. He persisted in grace and holiness and walking with God when no one else would. I want you to notice in the Word of God that he persisted in preaching an unpopular message that nobody else was willing to preach. And I want you to notice he persisted and he stayed faithful even though he had few visible results. He preached for decades. And when it was all said and done, it was him, his wife, his boys, and their wives. And that's all the fruit he had for decades of service. But let me tell you something. God doesn't reward you because of earthly success. God rewards you on, your ba on the basis of your faithfulness to do what God's called you to do. So what am I trying to say now? I'm just saying keep on singing. Keep on preaching. Keep on serving. Keep on loving, keep on witnessing, keep on worshiping. It's like C.H. Spurgeon said, it was by persistence that the snail got on the ark. Let's bow our heads and let's close our eyes. And let's all reverently stand to our feet. Every head's bowed, every eye's closed. The wisdoms are going to come and they're going to sing something here and it's going to be our time of invitation.